0: All right, so uh, again, we've been talking about the disciplines and everything else, and uh, the way we've been walking through each each uh, each week, it's it's been working out. So we had meditation, and then we had simplicity first. So we had Sabbath a couple couple weeks ago. Then we went to fasting, Mm -hmm. um, and then. as we were talking about fasting and uh, just giving everything to God and everything else. Trish and I were talking about what's next and we have a list of like five other ones and confession just kind of felt right. Uh, So we wanted to focus a little bit on confession. So confession, when we look at the confession, there's there's so many things that come when you hear that that word. Uh, Some positive, some negative. Uh, Some very, um, uh, from uh, the standpoint of different religions, like confession, how that looks like there's a lot of people that stray away from uh, other religions because of something like confession, because of not understanding uh, the history of confession. Uh, Yesterday I was talking to one of my friends who was a very devoted Catholic uh, and he, was, he started talking, I was like, well, you know what a confession was there is like to make money, you know, mm-hmm. and, it's, and, and, and like to hear that, I was like, that's interesting, right? let's look at a biblical point of view and everything else. Um, so there's a lot of things that confession is and a lot of things that confession is not, uh, but today we wanted to just focus on what, is, what the Bible says about it and not the tradition of it. I think that's what we've been trying to do with all these disciplines and everything else. So uh, the verse about, oh, and the other things that we're going to kind of describe so that we guys can, can see, that we'll see the outline for, to, for today, and we'll jump into it, is um, uh, who, do you, who do we confess to, um, how we're going to confess to, and how do we receive confession, which is something that Um, As we're researching this topic, we realize it it is an important topic as Christians to learn uh, to receive confession and how do we deal with it? Because, you know, let's take away from the word confession because it sounds very like in the church, you sit in one housing and somebody next to you, you know, it's, it's that whole... Aspect, but it's how so many times have you had a friend who came up and was like, "Man, this I feel guilty about something," and they share with you. Mm-hmm. How do we ask Christians? How do we as brothers and sisters in Christ um, react to that? You know, talking about spilling tea. like we were not. So, mm-hmm. so those are some, a couple of topics that we wanted to we wanted to talk about. It. Two things uh, with confession is. We we need to realize that one of the biggest things that uh, we, we are allowed to is confess to God, and uh, we, I wanted to re- really quickly just to jump into First uh, John one nine, which which is a very strong scripture to it, and there's many other scriptures, and I want to sit here with a long list of scriptures talking about confession, but First uh, John one nine you guys, I'll give you guys a second to find it. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. That's right before second John. That helps. There we go. It's like, not
1: very.
0: Small, very small. So, the verse reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness so it's just a little a little, a little verse right there but again he is faithful and just God we're scared. this is being done to God we're confessing our sins to God and um, that it's incur- it's an encouraging thing for us uh, that one we should confess to him we have that opportunity to confess with him okay. Two, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and purify, purify us from all unrighteousness. And we're going to go into how confession leads to purification. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's, but again, just for now, before we get into how to do it and anything else, it's just the, the point is that we do, we should confess to God. That is our privilege. If anything else, it's our privilege. I, I don't want to say command. I don't want to say it. it's. It's a privilege to be able to confess to God. the The other fa- famous, famous verse that I want to talk about is the whole purpose uh, aspect is <laughs> confessing to one another. Okay, so that is in James uh, chapter five, verse sixteen. So those are the, the two two verses that we kind of will start off with, okay, and then we'll go into the the main scripture for for today. Okay, so James uh, chapter five, verse do you have? Five thirteen. Five sixteen. Yes. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful Yeah. So again, it's it's one it's it's one verse, one statement that James James or Jacob have, have said. Uh, but it's another thing that that it, it encourages it encourages us to confess to one another. And again, it gives us it gives us why, and how that looks like, and what happens afterwards. All right. So as we, um, as we go through our, our main scripture for today of how to confess and everything else and the benefits of it, um, we'll we'll see the same echo, same thing that, that was in First John, same echo here in James, is that there's there is a need to confess, there's a need to confess to God, there's a need to confess to others, with with the argument of why should we confess to God? He already knows all our sins and everything else. Again. The whole point of it, it's for our benefit. It does not benefit God that he knows that we say something that we, we sinned. He knows our every thought, he knows our every deeds, and he will keep us accountable for each and every thing that we have done. Um, but there's a benefit in confession. There's a power in the confession, and it's definitely part of one of the things that we should grasp onto. Mm-hmm. Is there anything
2: else for well, I just wanna, I just wanna back up a little bit again because we, we've been looking at how the spiritual disciplines are not a checklist, but mm-hmm. there's these disciplines that have been passed on from generation to generation, from worship, uh, Sabbath keeping, fasting, meditation, mm-hmm. uh, prayer. You know, the, these different things that we've been looking at and looking at them through a lens of, this isn't something that we do for God, this isn't something, It's these are tools that God has given us by his grace for our own inward transformation. Mm-hmm. And honestly, confession is one of those tools, one of those disciplines that has been safeguarded and was a huge institution in the church for a long time um, because of its transforming power. And the sad part is, is that during the Reformation, when Martin Luther started the Protestant church, a lot of it surrounded this bad news about the Catholic Church and the idea of confession and going to a priest. And But Luther himself firmly believed in the discipline of confession. He never intended for that to be done away with. He just didn't want people to have to pay for it, mm-hmm. that you shouldn't make money off of people's need for forgiveness of sin mm-hmm. because then you're going totally countercultural to the work that Christ did on the cross. But the reality is, is that um, confession is really... A fundamental discipline that we need in our Christian life uh, because we have to understand that the church is not a communion of Saints first it's a fellowship of sinners
1: mm-hmm. so
2: the common ground that brings us together is not that we're all holy people right it's that we're sinners
1: Amen.
2: <laughs> who need the grace mm-hmm. that that Christ gave us on the cross that we're saved so some of this, if you don't understand the discipline of confession and it's been lost, we can start to see the pervasive effects throughout the mm-hmm. church. Because then, you know, the church will be quick to preach about sin from the pulpit. And we know the Ten Commandments and we know, like, oh, these things are sin because we've been taught. But we look at it like, oh, well, that's something that someone else is doing over there. Um, or if I do it, I do it privately. And when I come to church, I put on my best you know i put on my church clothes Mm -hmm. and i bring my best self to church rather than understanding that sin is the normative standard of our existence Mm -hmm. even after we've been saved we fail on a daily basis like we walk around with envy and bitterness Mm -hmm. and we manipulate people like we we all do this and if we don't teach that then there's this extreme of like Sin is, like, super bad. It's for the people outside the church when mm-hmm. the people inside the church don't do it. Or, well, since you're saved, you know, we're by grace anyway. And so then we downplay sin, and we don't see sin for how evil and how disruptive it really is. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't want to do that. We want to take sin and see it for the realness that it is, that God hates the evil mm-hmm. that is within us, and he wants to transform it into the good and if we don't see it for what it is then we can't you know if if you are like jesus says himself he said i didn't come for the righteous but for for the sick for the for the sinners Mm -hmm. and if we think oh well now i'm saved, so i'm righteous then we miss the diagnosis of our sin and we don't actually find healing and freedom the verse you read from james says to confess to one another and you'll find healing Mm -hmm. it's not just like healing from some disease it's, it's yeah. emotional, spiritual, inner healing that we all need. And so the the importance of confession is this balance of repentance and faith, how they're not these dramatic moments of an altar call, but it's the daily drumbeat of picking up your cross, denying yourself, and following the Lord. And so we we have to admit the truth of who we are without minimizing our sin, And then as we really see our brokenness and lostness, um, then we can, only then can we really receive God's love. Because if we think that we're pretty good people, Mm. then it's pretty easy to love us. Mm -hmm. But when you see how messed up you really are, um, you realize how how deep and how wide Christ's love really is for us. Mm -hmm. So I just don't want us to diminish. So that's kind of like, a broader picture of of the importance of confession and how this discipline has really kind of been put on a shelf we think like oh my faith is private you know oh yeah I you know I confess like when I'm praying I just like say sorry Lord for <laughs> the things that I've done that is not the discipline of confession like right. that's important but confession is is so much more than that so much deeper and and it's something that we should practice the way that people push and say know when you get up in the morning you should have your quiet time Mm -hmm. at night before you go to bed is actually a really good time to have a time of self-examination and confession Um, if not daily then at least weekly where you're going through and 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 a piece of that is then also maybe making a note of it so that you start to see patterns um that you can talk about it like we said it's not just between you and god but it's also between the community of believers. And one of the things that's really important to understand, this is why confession is important, is that your sin does not only affect your walk with God. Your sin, this is why confession has to be communal, your sin infiltrates all of your relationships. So your private sin of bitterness or resentment or lying or whatever it may be, envy, it starts to affect your relationship with your family members. It affects your relationship with your friends. It invades the church and the community. Um, it, it hinders the movement of the Holy Spirit in and around and through you. Wow! And so it's really important to understand that, this, especially in American culture, we're like, oh, this is my personal walk with God. Like, my sin is between me and God. Mm-hmm. You're right. There's only one mediator, and that's Jesus. But we have to understand the full weight of sin and the ugliness that it is and and the fact that it's it's not just between you and god but your pattern of sin is affecting your relationships and that's really hard to take responsibility yeah, for
1: yeah um,
2: scripture even says but like before you take communion that if you hold something against your brother right that you're supposed to go and make peace yes. and reconcile so confession sometimes means going to the person that you harmed, almost like a Zacchaeus situation where he, as a tax collector, he's like, anyone who I wronged, I'll pay them back fourfold. May even mean making restitution and amends. But sometimes confession just means that you find that safe place and you have a person in your life who who can help you work through so that on the other side of it, you find freedom and healing. Um, I really believe, you know, as we study this, that the discipline of confession the, the loss of it, I really believe, is why a lot of Christians stay stuck in their Christian walk for a very long time, where they're stuck in patterns of sinfulness, uh, patterns of emotional brokenness for decades, because they're not experiencing the liberating power that Christ gave us through the discipline of confession.
0: mm mm-hmm.
2: So that's just kind of like the framework for as we get into, you know, then we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts of like, well, then how do we do this? Like, what does this look like? Uh, so that's why I think we're here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I, I think just, just to really quickly to add to that, just as just as sin is a communal thing that can affect the community itself also, if confession is something that when you bring it to community, it will find healing also in that aspect of it because uh, just just the way it can affect negatively can also affect you positively as, as you bring bring the, to the light the things that are um, stopping you to be closer or to be more like Christ, not only closer to Christ, but uh, to be more like Christ. So the, definitely uh, the aspect of confessing to one another, and uh, that was... Uh, that was one of the things that that was always close to my heart. The the, the verse from from James chapter chapter five. Um, I think people when when people read this verse, they they kind of separate it. That mm-hmm. if you confess your sins, um, then you will be pure enough to be able to pray for healing mm-hmm. for somebody. And then because the prayer of a righteous man is brought from the fact that it's always being quoted to that that if somebody's sick make sure that you confess your sins before you pray for them or they should confess their sins and then they'll be healed from whatever disease mm-hmm. that they're going through and i feel like the, this verse is really focusing on the confession aspect and on the sin aspect of somebody's life so when we confess um when we confess our sins to one another like if you confess your sin to me, I get to pray for you and through that prayer God is gonna heal you whatever sin that is. We gotta look at a sin a sin as a disease in our yes, lives. Yes. So that way I, you give me the opportunity to do that. If you don't confess that to me, it's like confession and we're gonna talk a little bit more about it in a second. But confession does not stop with like, okay. You know, like Good you tell you tell me what you struggle with, I'm like rough. You know what i mean now and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about how we receive the confession of somebody else but in this verse it's i feel like it's very important important to see that in that confession i it's it's a two-way thing and in your confession you're giving somebody the opportunity to pray for you for that for that sin um pray for you keep you accountable and all that stuff and that's where you're going to find healing now we go to God and we, we ask for, for for forgiveness of our sins and he does miraculous things, he does conviction through the Holy Spirit and everything else, but for having that a person embodied next to you, praying over you, empowering you, uh, speaking words of uh, affirmation through the word of God and everything like that, that's the power that will, um, will strengthen the other thing the other aspect of it is also that now there's a human being like we can be like i got you know you know what i do you know it is what it is but but now when there's a connection with another human being who sees you let's say every sunday at somebody in your church and they see you every sunday and every sunday they look at you like how you doing yeah uh how did you how did it go how how you know that's that's the thing because i always when we teach about when I have, have thought about confession I'm like it's it was more of a personal thing I was like after a while you hopefully you're gonna get sick of telling God that you're struggling with the same thing over and over mm-hmm. and then're hey God well you know I've I've, I've, I've lost it again uh, you know I've lost it again oh I've drank again oh I've drank again and after a while two things you, you're gonna change your pattern or this sorry God is he will have no power over it. it's just something that you say without actually meaning the behind it Hmm. so um, that confessing to one another um it it, i think it really did during reformation i think it pulled away because there was so much um so much behind of like the hierarchy the everything else the power of the church of for confession so when when the reform happened everybody's like I'm not telling nobody. I don't have to tell nobody because me and God are have that communication. I don't need to talk to anybody, and um, and it became a negative thing. But I think uh, this scriptures and others definitely have brought it back to brought it back together. Hopefully, it's going to bring it back together um, for for us to see those relationships that you can do that. And I think that's another powerful thing that that can give us a check is like do we have anybody in our lives that we would be comfortable enough and uh, to confess our sins to knowing that they have that um, integrity and uh, spiritual maturity to hear you know, because, you know because i got my wife but it, like you know like you know what i mean which is harder to, than for me to talk to a stranger like my, for me, maybe for a stranger it would be easier, um, but I gotta see her every day. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 just one of the it's, it's just one of those things. Like I've shared with you guys the when in CFL the application, and it had all these questions: adultery, so pornography, all these sins. And I would always say, like people, like, oh, that's not that bad, and I'd be like, yeah, dude, with your spouse though. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, and I remember having people who who have shared it with us, with like 10 other men. Mm-hmm. They're like, but I've never shared this with my spouse. I don't think I'm ever going to share it with my spouse, mm-hmm. you know. So you, you hear that, but it's, it's those those things that would definitely challenge us and bring us back to it. Um, before we get into it, do you have any touch me. Okay, so let's go to Ezra, chapter 9. Ezra is one of those prophets in the back right after Chronicles. It's just another small mm-hmm. kind one, of right in front of Nehemiah. So we're going to be here for, for, for the rest of the... For a minute. For, be here. for a minute. So I wanted to kind of go through some of the steps of what, how confession looks like in the in the taking this scripture, nine, Ezra nine. Oh, am I doing? these tabs are really missing me, like
1: before. Sorry.
0: <laughs> All right, so we're all in Ezra, so Ezra, we're we're going through these, uh, through this aspects of uh, confession, and we wanted to to look uh, chapter nine and ten on how the people of Israel, uh, they're just coming back from captivity, from what I remember, and Ezra's here. He's he's a he's a prophet, and we're gonna jump into the story here. So, and I'll stop what, what the teaching is. So, after the things have been done, the leaders came to me and said, so the leaders of Israel came to Ezra. The people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring people with their detestable practices like those of Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians and amorites they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons and have mingled the holy race with the people around them and the leaders and officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness so here's the confession part okay and i like i don't know if you guys notice it it starts off with that leaders came to him and it ends and the leaders and officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness it's not like they threw everybody under the bus They threw themselves under the bus This is the aspect of the confession Like if we're confession, if we've got call to call the sin What is it? This They said that this is what happened They took the practices Of, of these nations And they also have taken some of their daughters And this and that they, and I, 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 It's powerful how they say They have mingled the holy race with the people around
2: and this, is, this isn't a racism story, this is something, racism is a sin, um, and some people have used this to say, well, the Bible promotes racism. Mm-hmm. But what's actually happening here is that as you follow the larger narrative of scripture, you see that God tells them not to intermarry because what would happen is when they would intermarry, they were marrying with people of different religion. So they were worshiping and mingling the Christian faith of the one true God, or the Jewish faith of the one true God, mm-hmm and worshiping these pagan deities so it's not that there was something inherently more evil about the other nations than the jewish people their bible is full of all the jewish people's failures yeah. but he told them specifically not to intermarry because he was raising up a nation a nation that would worship the one true god so mm-hmm. they were told not to and and we have the same command in the new testament it says not to be yoked with unbelievers that if you're going to get married to marry someone else who is a believer you yeah.
1: have yeah. At this point in time, could someone convert to worshiping Yahweh? Yeah. Because I didn't, I don't remember examples of it. Like if someone was from one of these places, like I know there's examples of people marrying outside of their faith, but I don't know if those people like. Turned yeah. There's like, there's
2: a, a in in the book of Leviticus and uh, Numbers uh-huh. there's things that say like if there's a foreigner who's in the land who decides that they want to worship then there's this is like kind of what you should
1: okay yeah so like you have an
2: example right um Mm -hmm. but you have like uh rahab who was a prostitute right yeah she was not ruth was a moabite but you have so there are examples in fact they're in the lineage of jesus so again that's why i want to because this isn't about you know, not intermixing like pure blood, it's, you know, like a racist theology. Yeah. This is about the fact that they were intermarrying and they were bringing in these other gods into their faith, and so they were unfaithful in the practice of worship.
1: I don't think I've ever thought of it that way before, but that they listed it specifically not to call out where they're from. It was for that purpose, so a Jew would have read that differently
2: right they were reading out that if you're following the hittites then it's the hittite (laughs) religion the jebusite religion you know there's the asherah poles there's all these things that were and that's the very reason why god said i'm sending you off to exile to Mm -hmm. begin with he they they're carried off into exile because of all their pagan uh worship centers because of their idolatry he's he says as punishment as judgment if, if you love these other nations so much then go, go there <laughs> so he he carries them off i mean that's kind of the point in scripture is he yeah. says then i'm going to hand you over to them uh-huh. you envy their kings you envy their riches you envy their mm-hmm. gods so much
0: mm-hmm.
2: now you'll be subservient to them the god who rescued you from egypt i'll now hand you back over to so at this point god is restoring them and they're trying to rebuild the temple. They're trying to rebuild the cities and things like that. So it's a really crucial time. And God is like, let's not repeat the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. So again, if you take this out of context, it could sound mm. like this racist and Marianian thing, but it had to do specifically with the theology, Religion. with yeah. with the faith wow. um, and the fact that they were unfaithful. So I th- I'm think i glad that we paused it for a minute because before the confession part, um, uh, one thing that's really under, important to know as we go into confession is that before you can confess your sin, that's why we're going through all these different disciplines. Before you can confess your sin, you have to be able to do self-examination. So before you can just say, oh, Lord, this is what... I grew up in the Catholic Church and we knew when it was time for confession, we would stand in line and you we were like, oh, what am I going to say? Because I don't want to say something too bad because then I'll look like a bad person, but I don't, I has to look real, because if I just make up a sin, then, yeah, so. Wow. You know, but, but we have to see confession. I robbed a candle. Yes, yeah, so it was always something like, I got into a fight with my sibling, like, that was a really, like, safe one when I was growing up, like, you'd stand in line, you'd be like, what are you going to tell the reason? I lied to my parents, or, like, I got in a fight with my brother, like, that kind of stuff. So, there was like, safe things, you didn't really, like, tell them what was really really going on so if you see confession as like a cleaning process right Mm -hmm. so the house is a mess some of us what we know of confession is kind of like this surface cleaning well (laughs) we we like we do like the big things we do the quick (laughs) well like i didn't murder and like oh like lord i'm sorry i did this or i'm sorry i did that and and as we practice the self-examination and go into confession we're really getting allowing it, it requires trust and vulnerability because you're really allowing the Holy Spirit to look into those deeper, darker places where you yourself may be afraid to look. It's yeah. like that closet where yeah, you've yeah, just yeah. kind of stuffed everything for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but until you really clean that out, that's that junk is what's overflowing, and and you're wondering like, why am I? Why am I so, like hot-tempered? Like why am I so? You know, anxious. Why am I so easily triggered? Mm-hmm. Um, your sin and your emotional hurt and fears of abandonment, part of the reason we don't move into confession uh, is because of fears from previous trauma, from maybe people that we've trusted who have then gossiped about us. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of fear about moving into confession. We want to keep it in the closet. But that's why so many people look at the church and they're like, the church is just full of hypocrites
1: mm-hmm.
2: because we don't, it's not that we have to be perfect, but it's there's this disconnect that we have all this junk going on, but we're pretending that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. If we could bring more closeness to like, everything's not okay, I'm a work in progress, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm not saying there, I'm working on becoming a person of love, joy, peace, patience. You see how there's like that tension. So mm-hmm. that's the part that's tricky. And before you can really get into this step of confession, like the people of the leaders of Ezra, they had taken a time of self examination to say, like, where have we come from? What is God trying to do? And like, what is the problem right now in the camp? Mm-hmm. Because God was not they weren't able to move forward with God's will, they couldn't hear his voice, they didn't know they didn't know the way forward. And confession was what allowed them to have the breakthrough. So I'm sorry. That was, no you asked me specifically if i had something and i said no but then i guess i did
0: yes and we're going to revisit that yeah event, right so the the next the next verses that, that we see it's uh verses three um that's the stuff verse three says when i heard this again this is ezra i tore my tunic and cloak pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down, appalled. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles. And I sat there, appalled, until the evening sacrifice. Then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from myself abasement, with my tunic and cloak torn, and fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God, and prayed, "Oh my God, I am too ashamed and disgraced to lift up my face to you, my God, because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our forefathers until now, our guilt has been great. Because of our sins, we, we and our kings and our priests have been subjected to the sword and captivity, to pillage and to humility, humiliation at the hands of foreign kings as it is today so this aspect of hating our sin to be appalled of our sin to not again we have this thing he is faithful and just and he will forgive our sins we have that and we hold on to that and there's freedom in that but we also need to be able we need to be at a place of hating the sin like it should not be just an easy thing for us to say that this is what i'm doing it should not be just like a a careless thing. Oh yeah, this is my struggle. You know, there should be, there should be shame behind it. If if God has convicted you through the time of self-examination, if God has convicted you that what you're doing is wrong, what you're doing is sin, and when you're confessing that sin, it should not be something that just kind of rolls off your tongue. It should be like he, here Ezra shows, I mean, he's he tore his they do a lot of this. They probably whoever was a seamstress was, was a, they made a lot of money because they tear Job their, security. they turn yeah. their clothes a lot. <laughs> you know, but he, he gets to this point, like first of all, like, you know, tearing physically showing how appalled he is of it and then the prayer. The prayer is such a Humility. It's just like you kind know, of Isaiah, he's like, "I'm a man of uh, unclean lips." It's just total. It says, "Woe to me, because yeah. I am
2: undone." Yeah. yeah.
0: It's just total humility mm-hmm. before the perfect God, before before uh, this Creator of heaven and earth. There, that's that's where it's at. So it's we really need to be at a place of hating that sin, just the way God hates that sin. You know. So it's that's that's the second step that we need to we have to
2: see it for what it is like I, I think you you hit a word that was really you said the word shame i think our initial reaction is shame and that's what god wants to set us free from mm-hmm. but until we own it like until yeah. we really feel it um and we sit with it then we don't realize again it's that surface cleaning we're like ah, i'm good like the the rich young ruler who's like oh all these commandments i've kept since i was young mm-hmm. And then Jesus like hones right in and he's like, well, then how about you give all your riches to the poor and come follow me? And he goes away sad because he had a lot of wealth. So that's what happens in the process of self-examination and confession is that the Lord like shines this light and you're like, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm a pretty good person. Like, I am really like have anything to confess yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) then you may need to spend a little bit more time (laughs) self-examining when you really let the holy spirit in you're like oh wow i didn't know that was there that's some pretty ugly stuff um so it's actually kind of counter-cultural because the we we tend to think of like oh you know i had my come to jesus moment when i came to the altar and i repented and then we think of it as like oh it's this upward climb where i'm becoming like more and more holy and I'm becoming a better and better person. But what actually happens is the longer you walk with the Lord, the deeper you realize how how depraved you are, like how evil, like how fundamentally fallen we are. And the grace that we had at first becomes more and more grace. Like we need him more now than we did at first. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the true journey of, of a spiritual pilgrim of a Christian um, who's not just a believer, but someone who who truly tries to follow the way of Christ is that as we get deeper you know as they were here in Ezra they start to say like oh my god we didn't even realize what we were doing like we and you see it for what it is and there's this there's this sorrow this so the first part is that self-examination the second piece is this this godly grief and sorrow like if you don't really experience that then it's just kind of like oh well
0: I feel like um, when you were talking about it initially, like you're saying that um, God um, wants to hear it even though he already knows. I just had like a picture of a parent who knows good and well the kid ate the cookie. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, you tell me if you ate the cookie. No, I didn't. And it's just annoying to you
1: because you know,
2: right? (laughs) You're not in a real relationship. It's not an authentic
0: relationship because as a parent, you're like, I know you ate the cookie, you know I know you ate the <laughs> That's the perfect,
2: the <laughs> I actually highlighted it, I had the bookmark right here, I didn't, I didn't share it, but it says, like a small child who hides by covering her eyes, thinking that if she can't see you you don't see her mm-hmm. we think if we don't acknowledge what is true about us then maybe god won't notice it either yeah. but he does he but, sees it but and the so, is the authenticity right yeah. and the confession you hit it exactly on the head mm-hmm. that's what we've been talking about with all of these disciplines like prayer and worship and all of that
0: mm-hmm.
2: god already
1: knows <laughs> yeah.
2: but he yeah. calls us to confess <laughs> because when we go through this process of confession then we know and we're like
1: oh like
2: yeah. like uh, you were just saying where isaiah said he sees the lord and he says woe to me for i am undone i am a man of unclean lips like he he didn't when he has this encounter with god he sees how fallen he really is and if we don't enter into this process of confession we think that we're like pretty good people you know yeah like,
1: for, for me like I go to church, right? Like, I pay my tithes. the kid The kid thing is is sometimes how it is, but I think when I was sitting here, I, I like had just adjusted my glasses, and then like God used that moment to be like, most of the time for me, I'm looking at my mess with the glasses off, and to me like the shapes look like they're in the right place, <laughs> everything's good, like I don't see the problem, and like I can walk around it, I know where the path is, mm. and then when you put them on, it's like. Oh, I've been learning to navigate around my mess. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. But it's not clean. Yeah, and man, then I see every good. dust particle, I see everything, and I'm like, what dust is? <laughs> <All right." laughs> <laughs> 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 So, I think sometimes we're aware of it, but for me, a lot of times I'm just straight up—I don't even see it. Like yeah. I'm just like I'm sin blind. I just don't even. I'm like that's a sin. Like
2: well, <laughs> that's a really good God. point. We we all are. We have blind spots. Yeah. And that's also why it's important. One that as we enter confession, the Holy Spirit reveals things to us that we otherwise wouldn't know. But that's also why confession and building a community of confession. Yeah. Is important because they see things. And can help us see the situation in a way either more, you know, there's different, they see it differently than we do. Because when you look at the problem yourself, you have, you do, you have blind yeah. spots and you don't see it. Yeah. And and God wants us to do this in community so that we can help each other not only identify the problem, but also to find freedom, yeah. to clean up the mess that we, yeah. you know, we and, have inside. And,
0: and in then in that aspect of it, when we confess and we point it out and we see it better. It, it you see how deep it is. Like yeah. talking about cleaning, you know, I could say like, oh, I got dishes to do. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, cool, it's not that bad. I just got dishes to do. And then you come up, and both sinks are up, and then there's <laughs> a line of stuff, <laughs> stuff happening, and you're and you're like, oh, oh I got more work that I actually had. You know, it's like somebody's like, yeah, I have a problem with pornography. Oh, okay, how bad is it? How long do you watch it? Well, every day. For like a minute, well, actually, for two or three hours. Mm-hmm. Did you do you keep it as a secret? Oh yeah, definitely keep it a secret. Do you, do you subscribe and use money? Yeah, there's I spend a lot of money, and all of a sudden you see how deep that hole goes. Wow. To when people are like, oh Lord, so forgive me for my lust, and that's it. And we don't dive into, right. what's.
2: But remember, we, it's so funny because we just had this conversation the other day about the dishes,
1: mm-hmm. so. <laughs>
2: The, the opposite is also true, like, so I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this with your dishes, but sometimes, because I'm the one when I see the pile, I'm like, oh my god, like, I can't, this is too much. I like to do it a little bit at a time so it doesn't build. But there's like two types of dish piles. There's the dish piles that seem horrible, but when you get into it, it's just like a few big items. Mm-hmm. And it only takes like a couple minutes, and you're like, oh, wow, that wasn't so bad. I just got to the root of it, and it's over. And then there's the ones that are sneaky, the where first, it doesn't seem first. like that much, but mm-hmm. your entire collection of silverware is at the bottom. Like, I know you guys know what <laughs> I'm talking about. And so you're standing there for like an hour and a half, and your back is hurting. You're like, I can't believe I'm still. So so with something like that, we're like, oh, well, pornography, that's a big one, right? Like, oh. But like, what about gossip?
1: OK.
2: Right? Like, oh, you know, why don't you tell me I'll, so I can pray for you? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So I feel like the little things sometimes, like we, the things that seem big that we're so scared of, once you, in confession, release it to God and release it and someone else can say, Mm -hmm. hey, you know what? Like, I've been there. Like, you're going to get through this and we're going to do this together. And you're like, oh, wow, that's not so bad. Mm -hmm. And then the flip can also be true where you're like, this isn't that big of a deal. And then you get into it, you're like, oh, man, this is 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 way worse and way harder than (laughs) I thought. Mm -hmm. So that's why, again, this process is important, but to realize that the things that the enemy may be keeping you in bondage in that seem so big may not actually be that bad. And the things that you've been dismissing as like, well, I'm, I'm pretty much okay. Mm -hmm. Your barometer may be way off and that issue could be really deep seated and and entrenched and something that God really wants to just painfully just like remove from your life. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So there, there's some hope with Ezra as we continue reading, um, that God is greater than our sin, and that's kind of what what the church started talking about. Verse eight says, "But now, for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in this in His sanctuary, and so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage, though we are." we are slaves our god has not deserted us in our bondage he has shown us kindness in the sight of the kings of persia he has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our god and repair its ruins and he has given us a wall of protection in Judah and jerusalem and he the whole the rest of the chapter kind of talks about how faithful god is even though of the sins of the of the israelites of, of the Pain that they have gone through, so they have this confession, they have this um, showing off that what they have done is wrong, but there's also hope in this bondage, and I love, as we're talking about sins, that they use the word bondage, it's the things that hold us back, there's hope, God is still giving us a way out, right, no temptation hope that ceased, a man is uncommon, and he will always, always gives a way out of it, right, mm-hmm. through him, so that that's that's a big key point is that God is greater than our sin. Um, so whatever we're going through, um, he has forgiven us, but he's also going right. to push us through it.
2: Right. So that third step is, you know, so first is examination of, you know, self-examination. And then there's that point of repentance and sorrow, like godly sorrow. And then the third step is this determination to avoid sin where we shift from our like a fear of sin to a desire for God that is so powerful because we realize that his his love is greater his grace is greater yeah um we understand him to a more more of a fullness of, of our need for him yeah that we can't do this without him and so confession is not complete until it starts to ignite that healing process so it doesn't it, it may begin with sorrow or shame um, or fear, but it should end in joy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It should end in freedom. It should end mm-hmm. in, like you said, in hope. So if you if you stop at that second point of of where you're Woe just like me. Woe is me, ah, I'm just a sinner, above all sinner, you know, like then you haven't moved through the whole process. Mm -hmm. That's not God's intention. Is Mm -hmm. to just stay there. Like, yes, we need to stay there. We need to fall on our knees. We need to maybe, you know, tear our robes and throw some ashes. Maybe, you know, Uh, but but we don't we don't stay there.
1: So this process can't really happen. I mean, the Holy Spirit can make it possible, but the fullness of it can't happen unless you really love God first.
0: Yes. Yes. That initial
1: repentance, maybe, for salvation
0: but
2: but that's why as you as you grow it's it's kind of this cycle like if you love god then you move into confession as you move into confession you love and appreciate god more and then and it creates this cycle of increasing love increasing confession increasing love increasing redemption so just like you know we've said in our marriage like we, you know, you, you meet, you fall in love, you get married, and then there's this season where you're like, oh my gosh, like, what did I, like, you know, all like the junk starts to come out and you're like, I know we were perfect, but,
1: <laughs> how <dare> you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you, you kind of get past that honeymoon phase, right? And you see, and you're like, am I going to stay in this? Or are we going to move through this? And then you make that commitment to like, no, we're, we're staying for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And when we got married, like I, we absolutely loved each other we did. He was my best friend. Um, but after 23 years of being together, my love for you is so much more like my respect, my appreciation, like there's so much more depth to it because of the fact that we've worked through these things. Um, you know, and we both have, we both have our stuff and, and even like now we're in this newer season, like this past year or so with, being, you know, the pandemic and having time to process it and just what God has been doing in us. It's funny. There's, again, part of the confession process is at first you just see like this ugliness and you're like, oh gosh, this is so bad. Lord, please forgive me. And then part of the healing process is he's like, okay, but this is why you were doing it. Mm. And so it's it's interesting because we've moved through like things that may have bothered me around the seven to 10 year mark of our marriage for example we're now in a season where i'm looking and i'm like oh my gosh this is why he would do that and this is where this would come from and then my own stuff too is like this is why i would react this way to certain things and you start to realize that a lot of the time the things that we do that we move towards sin again this does not justify our sin Mm -hmm. does not justify the sin But God, in his grace and in his mercy, a lot of times will show us the reason we were stuck in a certain pattern of sin Mm -hmm. is because there was a wound underneath. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And and we didn't want to, we didn't know how to work through it, or maybe we didn't even realize it was there. And so that's, you know, again, we're kind of the season that we're in now where certain things and I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And I have so much more of an appreciation for our love for each other, for God's grace on both of us.
1: So I guess I guess in my head, I'm trying to work through it. Like, there's the general morality of confession and the right things to do, right? Like, if I confess to someone, yeah, I stole a stick of gum. But then there's, if you have affection and love towards someone, it, it hurts differently, right? So, like, we could generally repent As we're learning to I feel like that's how I used to be with God is like all right I know I did all these bad things let me list them out it makes me sad because I wasn't perfect not because I love you it makes me sad because I'm not good not because I care about what you think where now I think it's the opposite because obviously he takes us through things and and shows us about ourselves I'm like look we already have established I'm not perfect and I'm not good but it hurts me that I hurt your heart. Mm. Right. It hurts me that I broke trust and fellowship with you. Mm-hmm. Which I think when I'm thinking about like the Garden of Eden it's it's even more sad because like the real loss wasn't Eden. It was the fellowship. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But everybody focuses, at least people I know, on the loss of that perfect, wonderful place. Right. That's not the point at all. No the furthest thing from the <laughs> it's the fellowship <laughs> so yeah it's a fellowship and <laughs> and how
2: did the enemy do it so yeah god says don't eat from the tree and they eat from the tree right but the way that the enemy did it was you know it, it says he he says god knows that if you eat of it that you will be like god well they were already like god wow. scripture says they were made in the image of god you know and then it says that eve saw that it was good for food and and desirable for gaining wisdom so she felt like there was a lack that she, mm. and the enemy uses that, and and he does the same thing to us. Like there's, there's areas where we feel insecure, deficient, and the enemy uses that shame and fear. And so until mm. we move into that fear, into that shame, into that those yes. negative feelings, we can't move past them, and we just end up staying stuck in these cycles of, like sin and shame and guilt, um, mm. and we never really move. Forward towards healing and freedom, Mm -hmm. even after we've accepted Christ, even after we've received salvation. So.